0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. My name is Justin Boulanger Today's episode is brought to you by the Roxbury Urban Dive Bar, located at 1743 Grafton Street, right across from the Scotiabank Centre. Make sure to get into the Roxbury before any event. You will get some great food, great drink, and great service. They have $5 food all day, every day. You cannot beat those prices. Downtown Halifax. They have a DJ seven nights a week. On Sundays, they have Sin Sundays. That is an industry night. They have $3 well shots, $6 doubles, and $5 pints. On Wednesday, they have a 90s night. I know you love 90s music. I know I do. Go into the Roxbury, listen to some 90s music, have a great time. On the weekend, they have a boozy brunch, $5 food $15 $15 Pitchers of Caesar. Get into the Roxbury, have a great time, and remember, when you are supporting the Roxbury, you are directly supporting the High Button Podcast. Alright, welcome back everyone, welcome to the High Button. My name is Justin Boulanger. I am your host. It is a snowy Monday out there, I'm going to have to shovel uh, after the podcast when I woke up this morning, I automatically thought of Christmas, and when you think of Christmas, you automatically think of giving gifts, going to the mall, waiting in lines, stuck in traffic, being surrounded by people. Everyone is acting like a chicken with their head cut off. I think I said that correctly, uh, and you know, nowadays, you can just go on Amazon, and you can order. You can click a couple buttons, that a dude, that a like whatever, and then the next thing you know, the gifts will arrive at your door, which is an amazing thing to me, but When I started thinking about that, I thought about taking away from the Christmas tradition. Almost like when you go to the Christmas tree lot to buy a Christmas tree. It's part of the tradition. You go to the grocery store, you buy some eggnog, you mix it with some whiskey. That's part of the Christmas tradition. Just like going to the mall, waiting in those lines, being crowded, sitting in traffic. That's part of the Christmas tradition. And now when you go on Amazon and you click these couple of buttons, I feel like it takes away from the Christmas tradition. I've said Christmas tradition too many times here. But you see, you know what I'm trying to say. So, you know, this Christmas try to stick to the tradition, try to get out there to the malls, get out there to the the tree lot. Don't buy a, don't get a fake tree, people. Get the real thing. Put it in your building, put it in your house, wherever you live. Get a real tree, get some eggnog, buy a turtleneck, buy a what are those things that people kiss under there? Uh, The leaf uh buy a mistletoe you know stick to tradition all right so today on the high button podcast cody lee cody owns a dog farm at this current time he says that he is raising 20 dogs also he is a dog sled racer he has a race coming up this year 300 miles i can't even fathom how far 300 miles is from where i'm sitting but I do know that 300 miles is a long, long, long way to go. So I have a lot of questions regarding this race. How many pit stops? What do you feed the dogs? Anyways, it's going to be a great podcast. Hi, Button. You know what comes next. Test, test. All right, we're going Cody. Sorry about that. Welcome. Round two. Well, round two. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks thanks. for coming. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. I was saying on the first round that uh, you live an interesting life. You race 20 dogs, you race dogs, dog sledding. Um, you don't come across many people that do what you do. I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you How did you get into it?
1: Uh, yeah, when I was younger, um, I just finished playing football, realized that's not what I wanted to do, Yeah, and I moved out west, taking a different path, got into volunteer work, working outside, being in the environment, saw the Rockies, yeah. got hooked on them, came home, didn't know what I wanted to do. I was like 19, I think. And, uh, yeah, I was like, well, I'll bike across Canada and that maybe in that three month period, I'll figure out what I want to do. So the bike trip was the following summer. So I had this whole winter gap with nothing and I needed to pay for that bike trip. So I got a job as a dog mushing guide in the Rockies with no experience. So I just got lucky. They were kind of desperate for a guide. So I, uh, yeah, two weeks after I got the job, I was in Lake Louise. I was learning how to dog mush and then. I spent four years at that company, uh, working for a friend and looked after the dogs in the summertime and then, uh, started my own dog sledding company in Yellowknife for the past three winters and then got into racing more recently because now I own my own dogs yeah, and realized that I like racing. I like a lot different, more aspects of racing than I did the tourism, at least full-time tourism where you can own all the dogs. Yeah. So, uh yeah i just i was able to get out of i had an opportunity to get out of the tours um like a clean cut adopted out a lot of dogs as pets that i had as working dogs yeah and then i just kept my main racing team and that's what i got now i want to
0: talk about the biking across like you caught me there like talking about a (laughs) thumbnail to start a podcast yeah (laughs) biking across canada
1: yeah 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 i got into uh just bring the mic a bit closer i'm sorry guys they're not the best mics yeah so i was um Working for this company, teaching kids about bike mechanics yeah. and like traveling by bicycle. And after I'd worked there, I was just hooked on biking. And like, I still, had, I still didn't even have my license when I was like 19. Yeah. I avoided getting my license because I figured a car was going to tie me down. If I got a car in Halifax, I never leave Halifax. Yeah. So I just waited. And yeah, then all of a sudden I was like, well, let's bike across Canada. And Did I you had go a, with anyone? Yeah. I had a buddy. We started the idea. And then by the time we started the trip, there are 10 people that were biking with us. That just met
0: you along the way type thing.
1: Uh, a couple of them met us along the way. Uh, most of them we knew, though, like before the trip. Yeah. And they actually came. We started on the West Coast in Tofino. And we biked all the way to Halifax.
0: So, so how does that work schedule-wise? Like what time do you start biking? How long do you take a break for? What time do you go to bed? Where do you sleep? Mm.
1: Yeah. So with the bike trip... Uh, we were pretty laid back, like we didn't have any set things that we had to see or mm-hmm. do. It was kind of just like, oh, let's go to this town, let's go to this city. Yeah. So we had we knew we had about three and a half months, and some days we would bike like 30 kilometers, some days we'd bike 100, 150 kilometers, and you just stop where you want to stop and sleep where you want to sleep, and yeah, it's just a really good way to spend your summer. And you're super active, you're biking 10 hours a day, so.
0: Did you listen to anything while you were biking? Like, did you have headphones in?
1: Yeah, actually, I still listen to, like... Well, when I was biking, I was always listening to, like, uh, I don't know, like, house music with just, like, a steady, constant beat because you're just constantly pedaling. Yeah. And the beat will be the same.
0: Also, you pedal to the beat.
1: Pretty much, yeah, and, you like, you just zone out because you're on the bike for 10 hours. And then now it's funny because with dog mushing, it's, like, the same thing. I'm back into listening... Well, I listen to anything because I'm on the sled so much. Yeah. But... Like I still listen to a lot of like house with just steady, steady beats. Um, but I listen to like country and rock and everything. So
0: that's awesome. Yeah. And the fact that you transferred that over because like when you were telling me on uh, when you messaged me three hundred miles, yeah. I was trying to look at, like what's three hundred miles. Like that. that's that's a long distance.
1: That's a lot lot of kilometers. Yeah.
0: Um. You know, essentially, how how do you? I don't even know what i'm trying to ask here
1: but how do you do it (laughs) how yeah well
0: that's essentially the question but okay yeah sure let's just go with how do you do it
1: well like if if you wanna well you you gotta train your dogs like when i start out in the fall and i start training i'm taking the dogs on five mile runs and that's all they're capable of at that point yeah and then you just slowly work them up and up and up by the time i get to the race like they'll be able to run you know 80 100 miles at a time yeah and then during the race, it's just a matter of what your race schedule is. So you might run, like, 60 miles, rest five hours, run 60 miles, rest five hours. Every schedule is different depending where your checkpoints are along the way. Okay. But, um, yeah, it's, it's like, three days spent on the trail. It's uh, it's cold. You got to be very prepared. You got to know where you're stopping. Yeah. Um, you got to, like, ship out because you don't carry 300 miles worth of dog food on your sled. Mm-hmm. Like, you ship out um, – Like to each checkpoint a drop bag, so you pull into the checkpoint, you get your drop bag. You can stay at the checkpoint and camp, or you can keep going if if your schedule says you got to keep running for another hour or whatever. You can camp out on the trail. So you have a tent, everything set up. Uh, I don't use a tent. Um, I just you got so much winter gear on, and if you're like you're going on the dogs, so the dogs usually only need like five six hours of sleep, and then they can run again. So So where do you sleep? Like you do probably two three hours of preparation in the six hour then you just close your eyes for a few hours and then you just wake up so sleep deprivation is a huge part of like even right now i'm tired just because i've been running dogs like in the day at night so like you got to get used to it too you got to be able to function with lack of sleep like you gotta like some people when they open their sled bag uh they'll have a list of what they need to do like take the booties off the dogs feed the dogs put the straw down because they're so tired that you just, like, you can't even think of those simple things.
0: So, even if you've been doing this for the amount of years that, let's mm-hmm. say, a pro has been doing it, yeah. you still have to look at these, the list.
1: Yeah, these are what the pros are doing. Because you're still sometimes. tired. Yeah.
0: You yeah. sure you don't want
1: coffee? No, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I live on coffee. I've had enough. I'm good with whiskey now.
0: <laughs> how, do you have, how do you have coffee on these races? Do you bring, like, do you have a kettle with you? How do you
1: plug the kettle in? Yeah, so, coffee, um, all checkpoints at a race have coffee typically we'll have coffee so if i don't do anything else i'll usually like run in and at least grab a coffee and yeah. i always take like thermoses and like one will be coffee and one will be water you gotta keep your water in a thermos because it it might be like 40 below celsius yeah. so yeah. your water will just freeze like instantly if you got it in a regular cup or whatever man <laughs> so wouldn't these dogs sleep outside you said two hours uh oh, the the do- rest? The so dog- h- dogs will sleep like five to six hours but it depends on the race like if you're running a hundred mile race you might just run 50 miles the dogs will sleep for two hours yeah. and then they'll run 50 miles to the finish line. But if it's a 300 mile race, you got to conserve more energy. So you're, uh, you'll be resting the dogs a lot more yeah. so that three days later, the dogs are still at like their peak performance crossing the finish line. Yeah. So it just depends on the distance of the race. If you're running a hundred mile, 200 or 300, you're going to run each one different. How many dogs are on a sled when they're pulling you? So each race is different. Okay. Um, last year we did a 200 mile race, and we did a 100-mile race. And yeah. uh, the 100-mile race was a seven-dog race. Um, and then, two and two? two.
0: Yeah. And then I, one at the front? You can
1: run it, actually, however you want. You can have two dogs in front, one dog in the middle, like, to figure out the odd number. Yeah. But uh, typically, it's, like, two by two by two. Yeah. And the 200-mile race was a nine-dog race. And then the 300-mile one this year, it's a 12-dog race. and. Yeah, I think I'm going to run it with 12. If I don't have 12 solid dogs, I might run it with like 11 or 10. But 10 or 11 dogs, they can do just, like they they can do the same as 12 dogs. So, yeah. if you're not confident in your 12th dog, you're yeah. better or not you're better off not taking them with you. If you know what I mean.
0: Can you rest a dog on your sled with you? Like let's say you're doing a race and there's yep. 12 and you say, "Okay, you can tell two are tired. Can you take those two dogs off the you, the leash and put them on the sled with yeah, you to rest?" You
1: can. And like that's the thing too, like you got to have space in your sled cuz You know like sometimes a dog might like nick a nail and like like chip a nail or get like a little cut in their pad or if they just get tired because they don't have the training or whatever or if they get sick on the trail or something yeah you have to load them in your sled carry them to the next checkpoint every checkpoint will have a like a, a whole team of veterinarians so if there's a problem you go right to the vets vets look after the dog uh, oh, wow. The dog might be able to continue racing. Like if it's, if it's just something where they just need some r- rest and a bit of a massage or something, like if it's a tight muscle, um, if it's something that they're not going to just like walk off, yeah. then you have a handler who's driving your truck checkpoint to checkpoint and, uh, the dog can go with them for the rest of the race. So
0: they have dog massagers at these checkpoints. Oh
1: yeah, man. You should, like, they've got dog acupuncture. They've got dog massages. They've got everything now. It's huge. Yeah. Hydrotherapy. These dogs are rock stars. Yep. Oh, yeah. Once you get into racing, like, the better, like, if you want to be successful, you have to have a healthy and happy team because that those are the dogs that are going to run the best. So, um, what are
0: the keys to building a happy and healthy team?
1: Well, you got to have good nutrition. So, like, they need, like, a certain amount of protein and fat in their diet so that they can build the muscle as you're training them. They need the proper training because, like, let's say let's say I went to go run like a, a marathon right now. Yeah. I don't have the training to run a marathon. So mentally I would probably get like really discouraged and upset yeah. like five kilometers, 10 kilometers into the run. So if you run the dogs on a 300 mile race, but they're only trained to run 50 miles, they mentally will start to break down and then they're not going to be happy. But if they're trained to run 300 miles, then they're going to be, they're going to look the same at the beginning as they are at the end because they have the training for it. So the key is really just just to do the training.
0: It's interesting how you, as an owner, know <clears throat> how far to push a dog in order to train them to run 300 miles. When yeah. I do, when I walk my dog, sometimes you know we'll go for long walks, and there's mm-hmm. a part of me is like, is he tired right now? Yeah. And it, is it, is that a skill set to be able to know how far to push your dog? Is that something that it, you learn over time?
1: It, it's it's pretty much over time. Like I started out doing tours, so I was just doing short runs every day. So like basically you would start to see the dogs get tired. Maybe if like you did three trips with them in a day where they should have maybe only done two, Mm. you might start to see them get a little tired at the end. Mm. So like, that's where I kind of learned like, okay, that dog can do two runs a day, but I'm going to rest them for the third. This dog can only do one. So you learn with your team there. And, and I worked at a really good company. So I had my own team working there. Like she gives you 16 dogs and those are your dogs for the season. So you learn everything about them. Do so you learn personalities
0: about them as well? Oh yeah, like can you, yeah. Uh, I figured, I, I know Levi well I spend mm-hmm. a lot of time with him But 20 dogs, can yeah. you determine 20 personalities?
1: Yeah, I can tell you like where they run How far they can run right now in training I can tell you what they should look like At whatever point in the winter I can tell you who their parents are Grandparents, no great-grandparents way. Where I got them uh, Who they run good with in the team If they can lead, what situation they'll lead good in uh, I can tell you everything about them
0: that's so cool. That's yeah. a special bond that most humans, yeah. yep. make, you know, if you have a yeah.
1: dog, that's wicked. You can build a, mm-hmm. a relationship But
0: 20 dogs yeah. on a day-to-day basis, spending every single day of your life with yeah. them.
1: And especially once your training picks up and you're doing like 20, 40-mile runs, maybe two of those in a day, Yeah, you spend, you'll spend. you spend like 24 hours a day with the dog. With a pet, sometimes you're only spending, what, like four or six hours a day if you go to work and yeah, you, gotta you go to to work. sleep. Yeah. So you think with a sled dog, like, I'm literally, my only job is to work with them. So it's, that's, a, that's why you get to know them so well, is because if you want to be successful, you got to know your dogs. Like, you got to be able to see, okay, there's some, like, that dog just is missing, like, a step. Like, I wonder what's going on with them. It might be as simple as the dog they're running with. They have a problem with them, so you just got to move them around. They might be too far up in the team they don't have the confidence for it so like stuff like that you got to be aware of
0: so hypothetical you're mid-race your sixth dog on the right Mm -hmm. he's limping a little bit Mm -hmm. it's coming down to the wire you get maybe you maybe have 10 miles
1: left in the race i just put it i would put him in the sled you put him in the sled yeah i just stop i put him in the sled i keep going like in the 200 mile race yeah i had this dog he was my first dog so i had him all through the time i was doing tours for seven years and I always wanted to race with him because I, I really liked him. But, like, four years ago, he had a small shoulder injury that he healed up from, and I never saw it again. How old was he? Uh, He's seven now. Okay. But it, the injury was when he was, like, three. Okay. Never saw it again. He kept working, kept doing tours. He healed up from it. So then this year, I was training, and I was like, oh, I'm going to keep him in the team because I just want that. Like, I got such a good bond with him. I want him to be a part of my first race. Yeah thinking back I should have left him out because that pre-existing injury when I was 130 miles into a 200 mile race all of a sudden he starts limping he's a 70 pound dog in my sled so then he's in the sled so you've now taken one dog out of the team so you got less power and you added 70 pounds to your sled so then I got to push like just a little bit more but I train with small teams I only run like five to six dogs when I'm training yeah. a lot of people will run like you know ten 16 20 dogs all at once yeah just to get them all out but I find them well I was taught uh, by the guy that taught me about racing that they'll just build a little bit better muscle and they'll have more confidence if you run them in small teams and you'll have more confidence too so why that is that it's so that in a race if you do have to drop some dogs and you go from like ten dogs down to five dogs, you'll be comfortable because you've done all your training with five dogs you know those five dogs can run. 200 miles 300 miles because you've done it a lot of people will get down to five six dogs and they'll be like Oh, I've never done this. Yeah, and they'll just drop out But if the dogs are trained that way, yeah, it's not like you're carrying five dogs in your sled because at the checkpoint You've given that dog to your your friend like your handler who's looking after your your truck and driving checkpoint to checkpoint Okay, so yeah, it's it works for me. Um, also I find if I do bump up the number of dogs when I'm training They go too fast and if you're training too fast you'll cause injuries in the team so mm-hmm. you got to keep them at a certain like like eight eight and a half miles like nice and slow and steady in order to prevent injuries at what age do you start training uh, so one-year-old like so there's first winter second winter third winter first winter harness break don't really do anything with them because they're still growing yeah uh, sorry at one year old at one year okay, old, so they're okay. still growing um, So just introduce them to the harness, maybe put them in the team for, like, a couple of short runs just so they learn. Um, Two years old, they can do, like, their second winter, they can do all the race training, but they won't race. Because racing, you push a little bit more, so the dogs need to be mentally tough for that. Cool. And you just want to make sure you got that, like fully grown athletic dog like ready to do it and that's at three years old at three years old so at two they're doing all the race training so they'll do like two thousand three thousand miles
0: so two they're physically fit just not mentally
1: yeah cool pretty much and then at three i find if you can wait till three years old and this is what i was taught is at three years old that dog's ready to race and if you race them if you wait till three years old that dog will continue being a sled dog um Like a lot longer, like at 10 years old, they'll still have the mental like drive and enthusiasm to run. Whereas if you start them younger, like at two, then sometimes at like five years old, that dog will already be like, okay, I'm kind of over it. And then you'll retire them and they will be a pet. Interesting.
0: Yeah. What is it? Is it strictly Huskies that you breed to race?
1: Yeah. So the type of dog I use, they're called Alaskan Husky. Alaskan Husky. Yeah. And for like competitive racing, um, Alaskan Husky is a performance bred dog. So we have mixed other breeds into it to get them to go a little faster, to shorten the uh, length of fur on them. Um, You know, some people breed to sprint. Some people are breeding to go long distance. I use kind of like in between Mm -hmm. because I'm running long distance, but like 300 miles, not 1,000 miles. So I still can use like a bit of a faster dog. And uh, yeah, you just never know, though, because I've taken dogs from all different kennels, like sprint kennels, stage kennels, distance kennels. And mix them together, and then I just pick. I've picked out the best ones out of that. And my team is really a bunch of misfits, but <laughs> you know, like they all have that thing that makes them work good. Really, like makes them work really well as a team.
0: So right now, it's uh, is, is it an off day for your dogs?
1: Uh, nope. When I get home later on, I'm gonna be running them.
0: So what's the day? What are you doing today? Like, what's the the distance? Right
1: now, they're just up to 14 miles. Okay, but um, because we don't have a, enough snow here, I run them with a four wheeler mm. instead of a sled. So, um, uh, I'll take them out on a 14 mile run. It'll take less than two hours. Um, and yeah, and that's pretty much it. And then I might free run them as well. Like just let them, yeah. uh, chase the quad, but just for a little bit, like as a, a warm up, and then again, as a cool down. Yeah. And then I'll take my puppies out cause I've got some four month old puppies that are just full of energy and I'll just take them with the four wheeler and they'll run like, they'll probably do like seven or 10 miles just running loose. Yeah then i'll take my other group of yearlings i've got three one-year-olds yeah and those guys will run loose with the four-wheeler they'll run full speed because <laughs> they just they're very competitive it's three boys yeah so they always want to be in front which just makes them like take that's them awesome off. That's yeah good. It's, it's crazy and they're big yeah and they'll probably do like 10 15 miles you sent me a video of you going to the gas station <laughs> with the dogs yeah
0: is that do people people must come up to you and just be like yeah, essentially so, what I'm doing right now.
1: Yeah, so what happened with that was I was in Dawson City. I went up a week before this 200-mile race I was doing. Okay. And I like Dawson City is such a good place to train. You got the Yukon. Where river. is Dawson City? It's uh it's in the Yukon and I think it's about 5-hour drive from Whitehorse. Whitehorse is the capital. So then you drive further so to are up Alaska. there. Yeah, you're way out there. It's like Gold yeah. Rush City it's really neat not a lot of people there in the winter because tourism is more summer there okay there's no like ski hills or anything yeah and uh yeah so i'm training on the river and there's snowmobile trails everywhere and i'm just taking them and i'm trying to get like 15 30 mile runs in and then all of a sudden i come up over the snowbank and i'm in the parking lot of a gas station (laughs) and i was like you've got nine dogs you've got you're now on like an inch of ice because you're in a parking lot so you can't just stop the team so um I I have a good leader. I'm lucky, like I have a. What's really, his name? Her name is Ebony. Her name? Oh yeah, yeah. Typically but I don't know. Why, I don't know why I, her
0: name. Yeah. No, my <laughs> best
1: my best leaders typically are the females. Actually, my team Interesting. is. Uh, I think I've got seven females right now, and only three males.
0: Are so, females? Are they built better than males <laughs> when it comes to the Alaskan husky? Um,
1: not really. Like everybody has a different opinion. Some people only run males. Some people will run both. Some people will neuter their dogs. Some people will leave them intact. Like. So many different ways of dog mashing and ideas. I just take the dogs that race well. Do you neuter I, the dogs? Uh, I do. I find it's a lot easier to work with them. They keep weight on a lot easier. You can feed them less, and they'll get fat easier if that makes sense. Like when they have their when they're intact, um, they're just burning calories all the time. Like they see a female in heat, boom, they're gonna drop weight. They're gonna stop eating. Uh-huh. Whereas if they're neutered, they're not going to care about that, and they're just going to keep eating regular. They're going to hold weight, yeah. and they're easier to work with. They're less aggressive. Some people find it takes the edge off of them when they're racing, so you get less out of them. But I don't think that's true. Um, the races I've done, my neutered dogs have done just as good as the intact ones. Okay.
0: So. I interrupted you about the the gas station story. Was there? A oh yeah. Sorry. So
1: so I end up there, and I've got the. I know I got a good leader, so I just tell it like you can't just turn a team right around because you'd have your whole team would be tangled up. So I just tell her like, keep going. And she goes straight (laughs) right in between the two gas pumps. There's a car there with like a daughter and a mom. And they're just looking at me like, Oh my God, Uh. even in (laughs) Dawson city, they were surprised. And then they went out and I was able to get my leader to just do like a nice big U-turn so that the team doesn't get tangled. That's true. You can't back up. Yeah. There's no reverse. There's no no parallel parking. (laughs) There's nothing like that. And, uh, yeah, so then I was able to just get her to go back over the snowbank and we run into stuff like that all the time. Like we were on a property with loose dogs that like ran at the team and the, But oh. they're like the team is good. They're they're trained, so they But they you must come
0: across some incidences where that things got tangled, the ropes got tangled, right? Um,
1: you know, I've never had too many problems and it's because I spent so many years doing tours that I just learned how to get out of stuff quick and like avoid stuff yeah the key is to just see it coming and avoid it like so, okay so you know what's going to cause tangles so just don't put yourself in what those causes situations. tangles just like if you run dogs that don't like each other too close together and you have to be in a tight situation where you're stopped or something they might go like try to get at each other and if they're right next to each other so like you just got to keep your dogs calm and happy so like if i ever do get a tangle or anything when i'm walking up to the team i don't run up i just like walk up like oh good dogs and they'll they might have like a cable like underneath them or something sometimes it like gets under a leg so i stop the team i go up i'm like oh good dogs they're standing there they're like they look like they're a little tangled up and they're just wagging their tails so it's the key yeah, is like how you approach it yeah if i it's the same with pet dogs like you just gotta keep your stress level down and the dogs will keep their stress level down do you carry treats in your pocket uh, I carry treats, but the treats are, um, like snacks. So it's, uh, it'll be like a big chunk. Well, not a big chunk when you're racing, but, or even training, but just like a piece of raw meat. Uh, it's usually ground up. It'll be beef, pork, like we feed, them, we feed them everything. I was going to so, say, that was my yeah.
0: next question. The nutrition side of it. These dogs are running mm-hmm. 300 mile races. You're going to be losing some weight. What do you, yep. f- are you, when you're feeding them their dog food, are you putting chunks of chicken beef yeah, in- into so their,
1: they're actually eating a lot more raw, raw food, like, I'm sponsored by this really good company in Alberta plug Uh, away if you want to give them a shout out yeah dog's choice Thank you very much. Shout out dog's choice. Yeah (laughs) And uh, anyways, they they used to be butchers and they started this dog food company And so like the food comes packaged like really nice because sometimes it will just come in like a bag and it's just frozen and hard to work with Yeah, this stuff's like perfectly square you take it out of a cardboard box it's then in a vacuum sealed bag sorry what is it though it's it's ground up meat ground but for humans or for for dogs it's dog quality okay but like it's it's not far off from human quality either like it's good meat you can't feed the dogs bad meat because they'll get sick so like it, it is good meat um it's just there is a big market for dog mushers so out west you can have a raw food supplier like that that can sell pallets of 50 pound blocks of meat and The best one I used last year was deluxe, and it's, like, crazy. It's bison, beef, beef fat. It's uh, injected with blood. So instead of packing it with water, they put blood in it. And, (sighs) yeah, it's got tripe, which is, like, cow's stomach. It stinks. The dogs love it. It's good for them and uh you can get chicken you can get whatever you can get pure beef fat so
0: man i'm telling you some dogs i say most dogs not most but some dogs i think
1: i think nowadays most dogs
0: live better than humans
1: yeah like i eat mr noodles all winter the dogs dogs are basically having like a steak dinner and i'm eating like my cup of noodles on the back of the sled
0: i was (laughs) like what happens all the time like i'll be at a bus stop and i'll see like a dog drive by in a range rover Mm -hmm. sitting in the passenger seat i'm just sitting there like i'm pouring in the in the soaking rain Yep levi man my parents my dog spoil him mm-hmm. he gets a new toy every
1: weekend yeah but that's good like when i when i retire dogs out as pets yeah like people are like oh like it is it okay we're gonna like bring them inside and i'm like that's what i want when of i course. when they retire and they adapt to being a pet like they love what they do like the do like good sled dogs love what they do and when they're ready to retire they're ready to retire they Typically, don't want to be pulling a sled anymore. They just want to cuddle. Yeah. So, like, I want you to bring them inside. I want you to turn them into a big baby, like dog mat. Give them their own room. Like, feed them whatever snacks all day. I don't care. Mm. Just, I just want them happy and i have a lot of attention.
0: Is there anything that you don't like when new people come around your your sled dogs? Like, mm-hmm. I I almost feel I'm, I'm thinking of a police dog. How I know some police dogs they don't want people to go up and pet them on the mm-hmm. head. Or, you know what? Is there like, anything like that with I'm you?
1: I'm al- I'm always with them. So as long as I'm around. People can come right up and just ask me, like, can I pet your dogs? And you can, because they're all friendly. Any I, rules, though? Like Any rules? Any, I don't know. Nope, not really. Because no? I don't train them to, like, sit and stay and don't jump up. Like, I don't really want them to jump up, but if they do, I don't, you know, I don't get mad at them. Okay. So, really, if there's somebody there, there might be a dog that's, like, not good with kids or something like that, or small dogs. So, like, if I see something that's not going to be a good situation, I'll be like, yeah, these, these three over here are great with kids. You can go up and pet them. So, like, I'll... Just keep the dogs safe so they don't get in trouble. So are these dogs, like, uh, do you keep them in a big cage
0: or do you just live on a farm where they can run free You yeah, just so call them in? Or yeah,
1: so I I have them in a bunch of different things. Like, So I do live on a farm. It's like five acres. And then I have the whole area fenced in. And then inside of that, I have uh, free run pens. So, like, fenced in areas where the dogs can live. Yeah. Some of the dogs are escape artists. So instead of putting oh. them in there, I'll put them on tethers and i'll give them a dog house and they'll have like shade and everything like what's that.
0: what's a what's a what's an escape route that a dog is taking? If they dig um, under well they...
1: like you like people people that have huskies know like they can escape from anything because they're and then like picture these guys they're super athletes so they're just like all and muscle. they're smart like and then you put them in a chain link fence no matter how much like wiring and stuff you put the dog can still escape so like there's probably like three Most of them, I'm comfortable just leaving them in the fences, but if I have to actually leave the property, I'll make sure that there's a few of them that are definitely tied up because I know they cannot escape from being tied up, Yeah. and that's just the safest thing. Because where I live, we have a coyote problem, we have livestock, we got cows, sheep. Like, I literally have 150 sheep right next to us. If I ever had a dog get loose, like, not right next on the other side of the river or whatever, but if I had a dog get loose, go run in there. Like, you know, farmers shoot coyotes every day, so if they see a dog out there yeah fooling around with their sheep or worse comes to worst like injuring one yeah they're within their rights to actually like put it down do you have so, a gun
0: on the property just in case a coyote comes too close i don't
1: um because i don't have any, i don't have problems with coyotes all that stuff that stays away from the dogs why She's, does it stay away from the dogs though i what? think it's just like there's coyotes are pretty skittish animals anyways so like it's not like a wolf where they they might like, challenge the dogs. But even with wolves, like, I don't get that. Like, I've seen wolves with the dogs. Have and they, you? They just scatter. So. I feel
0: like a husky would be able to hold its own.
1: No, a wolf would kick the shit out of would a husky. It? Oh, yeah. Wolves, like, it's just their nature. Um, where it's life or death every time they get in a fight. Yeah. And the dogs, they might have got in a couple little scraps growing up and stuff. But it's always just a dominance thing. Yeah. The wolf has the potential to just immediately kill the dog. So, like... You just don't even put yourself in the situation. The <laughs> only time I've ever seen wolves with dogs was we had two teams out, and we were just going along on a training run. We were up north on uh, Great Slave Lake, Big Lake, wide open, and there's like all these little black dots um, up on the horizon, probably like a football field away. And I'm like looking, and I'm like, it's not a dog team because they're just scattered around. Yeah. I'm like, oh shit, that's like, I knew there was a wolf pack around, and I was like, that's the wolf pack. The dogs sense it. So instead of going like single file, the two teams, they're now side by side. They're going full speed. So like towards the wolves, towards the wolves, 25, 30 miles an hour. And you're just holding on. You can't stop them at that kind of speed when they're that driven. So what are you thinking in your head? Well, I'm just like, I wonder what's going to (laughs) happen.
0: Basically, you're not worried for your life or anything. You're not thinking like that.
1: No. Um, And what happened was the wolves, they were taking this path like from the area we were in. To the city and back and they were hunting along it and we were running on the same trail so the wolves were the (laughs) wolves were basically coming at us and um, To but to go to town, so they just scattered and went in the woods We flew by them like the dogs. They don't know why they get excited. Sometimes they just do so they just run They just keep running straight. They they're still excited And then as I'm looking back I just see the wolves like come back out on the trail and they just keep going so they just kept going There's like a respect factor it's kinda just like they don't care. Like they're they eat like squirrels and you know, any little like rabbits and little animals oh. they can. The dogs, like it's not a territorial thing or anything like that. Like they just know that it's not a threat. Yeah. So it's just not in their nature to chase down a, a dog team. You ever see any bears in Nova Scotia or just <clears throat> in Nova Scotia I've never well, I've seen bears. Like I live on the one side is sheep, in front of us is cows. The other side is blueberry farms okay so we got a lot of bears where we live and uh i haven't seen any with the dogs there there's a lot of west yeah out west i've seen just with the dogs loose <laughs> and on some training runs i've seen uh black bears and brown bears and then i've only ever seen one grizzly bear and i had we had two teams we were training in northern bc and uh we come down like a cup block on the edge and there's this like grizzly bears are giant like it just looks like it's like it looks like it's four times the size of a black bear. They're they're not. They're only like two two times the size. But it's just this huge brown blob down in the middle of the chopping, and it's just eating something. So we stop and we just watch, and we're like, "Well, I wonder what's gonna happen." He just stays down there. So we just stay on the logging road, and we just keep going. Just so, minding your own business. Yeah, just mind. That's typically most times you run into wildlife. Like, you just, just they're just doing their thing. You're doing your thing. So don't provoke anything and you'll probably be fine and like be safe like carry a bear banger uh, one smart thing is like my buddy will put uh bear bells which are just like little bells yeah. that you're supposed to wear when you're hiking he'll yeah. put them on his gang line so that when his dogs are running it just sounds like well it sounds like jingle like jingle bells almost. oh yeah <laughs> but that keeps wildlife off the trail the worst thing with dogs is actually moose because moose when in the winter they're walking picture them walking through all those deep snow trails mm-hmm. like it's hard on them so what they want to walk on is the dog sledding trails because they're hard packed. We pack them with snowmobiles. So they get up on our okay. trails and they're walking along at night. We come around to turn like I haven't had it happen to me, but it's like it's pretty common practice. And there'll be a moose there. And like you basically got to stop your team. Hope that the moose doesn't charge because they'll come into your team and they'll just start stomping around. And like, man, thousand pound moose, they can injure a dog really quick. Yeah so that's where the the noisemakers come in handy because the moose will hear it and get and off. just get trail. it off yeah Have Tip you ever
0: ha- sorry you keep going t-
1: typically you don't have an issue though like i've never seen a moose with a dog well i have but not on a snowy trail i've just seen them on a logging road mm. and there's so much space for them to just run off
0: do you have brakes on your sled because i was thinking if the dogs mm. all of a sudden stop you could run them over yeah if you keep yeah going.
1: so you actually you have two brake systems you have a drag mat, which like that's how you control the speed because the dogs, they want to run fast. They're dogs. <laughs> you train them to run slow. So you do that by just stepping on the drag mat and it's just like a gradual friction. OK, so that'll slow them down to the speed you want. And then once they're trained, they'll just run at that speed. You don't even really need to use the drag mat. Um, and then in front of that is this big like it's a bar and it's got teeth on it. So when you press on it, they drive into the snow and ice and that will actually stop you. Like I can stop a 12, 15 dog team, whatever. Oh, can you? And then I also have snow hooks. As long as the snow is good, like if there's no snow on the ground, you can't stop your team. If there's uh, all soft snow, you can't stop your team. You also have anchors, which are attached like they're a big snow hook. And you put those in the ground, and you press them in, and they'll dig right in. So if you need to go to the front of your team, like, off of your sled, yeah. put your anchors in.
0: Can dogs ever run on ice? Like, I think you just said you ran on a lake once.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, like, the lakes are usually usually have, like, a nice snow trail on them. Okay. Um,
0: but can their paws grip on ice and get going? They can.
1: Like, this is where, like, I booty, like we use booties, like, just cotton or uh, that, like, Dura brand or whatever. Kodora. Okay. Um, booties on each dog's foot. They last about 50 miles and then you put a new one on. So every foot of every dog for every mile that you do, okay. you go through a lot of booties. Because wow. you put holes in them or whatever. Yeah. So then when you get on ice, if you're in it, like you know, you're going to be on ice and you want the dogs to have traction, you might take the front booties off or all four booties off because the nails on the dogs and even the pads, they'll grip a bit better than just the Kodora booty. So
0: what's one thing maybe that people just wouldn't know? About like know. and every day like i think i've asked some pretty good questions and yeah. you've given some great mm-hmm. answers to, to a, a day in the life of you but what's something mm-hmm. that most people maybe wouldn't know maybe the toughest part about your job mm-hmm. that most people just wouldn't know
1: i think the biggest thing i run into is just people don't understand like it's not just that it's a breed of dog and you train them to go in a harness and then you show up to a race it's it's the breed of dog you introduce them to a harness And then it's mile after mile of physical training, just like you go to the gym or just like you train for a marathon. But like you put literally 2,000, 3,000 miles on these dogs before the race and then you race. So like when I show up to a race, it's not like I've just had the team and been feeding them. Like you've been out running that team almost every day, all winter. So when people are like, wow, you know the team really well, it's like, yeah, because I've spent like 10 hours in a day just on the back of the sled, watching every single dog run, and you're just w- going up and down, watching the dogs, seeing exactly how they move so that if that ever changes, you know, and you know that there might be something like off with that dog.
0: Do you ever have any problems with, um, what's the company that, not company, it's a it's a group of people, and they, they're all towards animals, and PETA, do you have any, like, I know I know yeah. there's nothing wrong with racing dogs, but yeah. does
1: PETA ever? Well, PETA is against dog sledding. Are they? uh, Yep. And like for me, I'm just, I'm all for dog mushing, but I'm for humane dog mushing. Like you got to take care of your dogs and you just got to be responsible. Like you don't overbreed. You shouldn't have like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dogs in your kennel without a purpose for them. Like, you know, you just got to be responsible with what you're doing. Make sure the dogs have a good quality of life. And basically I try to do it the way I was taught is don't just hook the dogs up go for a run, put the dogs back at their house. Like have something else. So like, well what's your something else? Something else is just literally teaching the dogs to be off leash, like free running them in pens, taking the time to build big fenced in areas where you can take the dogs and play with them loose because in the summertime I'm away working for 6 months. I hire somebody to look after my dogs so they live on my property and their only job for the whole summer, wake up, go out, Feed the dogs, water the dogs, clean all the poop, let the dogs loose. At the end of the night, put them back in their fence and tie them up. Sounds like a pretty good life. That's it. Like, that's the whole job is just, it's a lot of work. And anybody that's done it will say, like, it's fine, but it is a big job. What time do you have to
0: wake up in the morning to do this?
1: It depends. Like, everybody's different. I'm pretty laid back in the summertime. Like, I don't need people waking up at 5 (laughs) a.m. But uh, when it comes to training, you know, like, the dogs, you want to have them hydrated in the morning, like, two, three hours before you run um and then you want to have them fed like within an hour kind of after you come back so in winter the schedule can be any time of the day sometimes i'm just running at night sometimes i'm running in the day but in the summer it's pretty easy like i don't know eight o'clock they can go to the yard seven o'clock they can go out clean up do all that they can come back in get a coffee um you know let the dogs rest with the food for a bit and then they can go back out and let them all loose and play together big thing with my kennel too is I always make sure the dogs are all good together. So like I take the time to introduce this dog to this dog and this dog to this dog. That way it's not like, okay, I let off a quarter of the kennel and they run around and then I put them back and then like 25% of the time I let off a hundred percent of the kennel. They all play together and then I put them back. That way they're getting, it's easier to give them more time free running. So like all the dogs can have six hours of playtime in a day instead of having to split that up into like, okay, this group gets an hour and a half, this group gets an hour and a half. Okay. But like, it's not easy. Like I was going to
0: say, that must (laughs) take a lot of work if if you're going to introduce one dog Mm -hmm. to another one dog for them to get to know each other. For me,
1: I just do it. Like I do it right off the bat. Like the first thing I do when I show up at the end of the winter, all the dogs go loose. I go in there. And if I hear any growling or if I see like, you just see the dogs like perk up and look at another dog the wrong way. Mm. You tell them no right away. You're just on top of it. Yeah. And you know the dogs so well that it actually it becomes really easy when you're working with them.
0: I don't want to go back to the negative aspect, but yeah, I do yeah. want to talk about PETA for a second. Mm-hmm. Do they show up at these events with signs? Uh, uh, I've been to the sh- circus. Once they show up
1: to like the bigger ones. Yeah. Um, like they always show up to Iditarod and Yukon Quest and stuff like that. But um, you know, I don't mean to just like throw Toronto into a box, no, but man. It it is, like it's a lot of you know people that come from cities and they're used to like you know you get a dog as a pet and you bring it home and that dog lives on your couch with you or not even with you maybe you go to work all day and the dog's in a kennel blah blah but like you know i i don't talk about activists and PETA all that much because i just i know in my heart that what i'm doing with the dogs is good and the dogs are happy and i'm happy and i don't need to explain that to anyone else anyone but anybody that knows me and knows my dogs sees that yeah so i don't like i've gotten away (coughs) from you know, arguing with somebody that's, you know, a thousand miles away who's trying to tell me over the computer that what I'm doing is wrong. Someone's done that to you? Well, they just they'll do it to anybody that's really? a dogmasher. But I just I just stay out of it, man. No, yeah. I,
0: I hate to bring it up, but it is it's something you got to talk about. On it a is because you're going to talk is, about it's this. there.
1: And I see and like with online stuff now, like people are so quick to just like share this, share this, share this. And they'll just share something without looking at it. And I've seen like, you know. I'll say 100%. There's kennels out there that should just be shut down. And sometimes the SPCA doesn't have enough power to just go in and shut down a kennel. Yeah. Because the dog like 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 if there's a death or the financial problem, the dogs don't have the money to be looked after properly. Uh-huh. Yeah, somebody should go in and take them out of there. Yeah. And I find sometimes there's not enough law to do that. But like I'm a part of a couple of different like dog mushing coalitions where we have to follow like a certain practice and stuff like that. You have to get vets to sign off on it and get the SPCA to come to your kennel. And uh, but like we do it anyways, like the dog mushers that are in this coalition, they're already doing that. It's not like they joined it and then changed their kennel. Okay, it's like this is just how you dog mush. There's just some people out there that for whatever reason, you know, it could be money. It could be just laziness. It could be however they ended up with a bunch of dogs and they don't know how to look after them. But those those are the people that always end up online. But then sometimes people will just see like a kennel of dogs in a certain situation. So like maybe I just fed a maybe I'm feeding the kennel and all the dogs are getting really excited. Somebody takes a video and they're like, Oh my god, look at these dogs running around barking in circles, jumping on the fence, stuff like that. And it's like, Yeah, but I'm going around with food. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm feeding. We'll put my some dog. dark music in the background yeah. and like yeah. make it and look like, like it's a you know, and sometimes it's justified. It's just sometimes when I actually sit and like if you mute the music and you don't pay attention to the subtitles and you actually just look past all that stuff and you look at the dogs in the video, like they're barking, wagging their tails, they're being pet, there's somebody out there working with them. They do have like everything they need, water, food, shade, um, a sturdy doghouse. You know, it's not that dogs were built to be inside on a couch. Mm. You know, these dogs, we have literally just bred them for what they do. Mm -hmm. Yes, they make great pets, but they're really good at dog mashing so dogs love to run dogs love to run and you see it when i take them for a run
0: (laughs) yeah we have a cottage out in bridgewater and it's just i think we have five acres as well and i hate levi here because he's upstairs right now sitting Mm -hmm. moping doing absolutely nothing and then every friday after work we'll just go to the cottage and you could see it in his uh yeah
1: yeah you see it they get like excited my
0: dad will go upstairs and pack and mm-hmm. as soon as my dad starts to pack, Levi knows that we're going yeah. to the cottage. And he just starts jumping mm-hmm. around. He knows what he's doing. And we have a trail before we get to the cottage. just the dirt road one yeah. way. But it's probably like a good seven-minute drive. But when we yeah. hit that trail at the beginning, we let mm-hmm. Levi out. And he just runs up by the car. Mm-hmm. And he just runs the whole way and pretty much the whole weekend. He just stays outside, runs around, jumps in the lake, does whatever. He's just such a different dog when he's there. compared to here and yeah when he's upstairs right now i know he's just not himself yeah
1: that's a good point too like one thing i get a lot which is like in every industry you have stupid questions or just like really common questions that if you kind of took a second you can answer it yourself i'm sure i asked a couple today no no no, (laughs) all your questions are great um so like one is like do the dogs really like it first of all like i'm a dog guy if you know me i would hope that you think that i'm a decent human being I'm not going to make dogs do something they don't like. I'm not going to be abusive. So like obviously the dogs I own that I'm running, they do enjoy it. But then just beside that, like physically, when I take the four-wheeler or a sled and I take harnesses out, the dogs, like that's their maximum energy level. Like they are so stoked. And when I put a harness on them and I let them loose and then they run over to the gang line and then I clip them up, like those dogs are going nuts. And it'll be sometimes like when I was doing tours that at that point, the dogs are barking, wagging their tail. They're going like mayhem because they know they're about to leave. Somebody will be like, so do they like it? <laughs> and that's just where you got to be. like And it actually just happened the other day. Um, <laughs> and it was somebody I know. And I, like, even when I heard it, I was like, it's like right there.
0: They run to their position. Yeah. And, they you and, don't even have to tell them and to some come p- over. And
1: then some like back to the activist thing, like they'll say, yeah, but if that's all they ever do, obviously they're going to get excited. But, yeah. you know, I'll let those dogs loose for six hours a day, yeah. eight hours a day, whatever. You won't see them that happy. And, like some dogs, when I let them loose, they just find a doghouse and they just lay in it. They might just lay in the sun. Like they don't do anything. They don't, not all dogs run around and play. Yeah. It's the same as pets. They each have a different personality. But that dog, when I put them in a gang line, it's a completely different dog. They're super stoked. They're very happy. They're very social. They're friendly with you they're friendly with dogs like I've had shy sometimes like sketchy dogs that I've got and like they never come out to you they never want to be pet they stay away from all the other dogs you put them in a team and it's like the happiest you've ever seen the dog is completely different dog so you know like there's just there's a lot more to it than what people will just post and like a 20 second video on Facebook or whatever doesn't describe the whole dog mushing industry and I think there's enough people out there with common sense it's just people with common sense don't spend 20 hours a day on the computer talking about stuff all over the world they're out in the world doing stuff so that's why you maybe don't see the other side of it
0: you gotta understand cody there's a lot of bored people in (laughs) the world (laughs) yeah they gotta they gotta find something to poke at yeah you know
1: but yeah i've always just ignored it and you know if anybody has any questions yeah hit them they can up. ask me yeah. yeah i might answer them might not but usually i do <laughs> like i'm open to any interviews i always uh bring people out to the kennel i take people i, I was gonna say i want to come out and yeah like see it, this yeah like it's it's pretty straightforward the dogs just they're all stoked the big thing is like if you see a happy social like healthy looking dog like you know where is the abuse where is the neglect It's like, okay, you've got a dog that's a bone rack, like obviously doesn't have good nutrition, isn't being fed. They're sketchy. They look like they've been, like if you go to pet them, they might like back right away. Some dogs do that without being abused, but like if the whole kennel would be like that, then yeah, okay, you got some like justification in what you're saying. Mm. But I've never been in a kennel like that. Even some kennels where I'm like, you know, you could change this or this to make it like better on the dogs. And like they're usually always open to it (laughs) like even those ones they still have happy dogs like they're still looking after their dogs they're doing what they think is right the way they were taught yeah it's just sometimes you just got to teach them like a new way of doing it Mm. but you got to remember like you got to stay within means like okay let's like for me first thing i did was build a fence so that i can have the dogs loose some people don't think think about that right away so then it's like well i can't just let them loose because they'll run away Mm. and then it's not safe for the dog to just go loose and possibly run away and get shot by a farmer. So I don't know. There's like a lot of sides to everything, but I just focus on what I'm doing, put the miles on the dogs, show up (laughs) to races, have fun, and I'm happy. They're happy.
0: Do you see yourself doing this for the rest of your life?
1: It's hard to see me not doing this.
0: I was going to say you seem real happy. Yeah. Like Like uh, passionate about what you're talking about right now.
1: After like, I just made a big transition where I was doing tours for seven years. And I had my own company and I decided to get away from it because I didn't like owning that many dogs just for tours and then having my race team on the side. So financially, when you're doing tours, like you're making money that's paying for the dogs. So it's a bit easier, Yeah. but I didn't like owning 60 dogs and just having me and like the, just the situation wasn't good, uh, you know, for what I wanted to do and I wanted to focus on racing. But when I do that, like, I'm not making any money from racing what about sponsorships you know i get like a sponsorship helps but it's not paying the bills yeah just just in general like you you'll spend like 30 20 30 grand on dogs in a year easily so it's like sponsorship is great and stuff but i don't bank on it i bet like i work six seven months of the year so that i can be able to go race for four months I don't buy nice clothes. I don't buy brand new anything. I buy everything secondhand. If I have to spend a lot of money, it's usually something to do with the dogs. So I'm saving that money. Like, especially if I need to take them to, to the vet for an emergency, I want to make sure I have like a couple grand sitting aside so that I can do that. Um, and like, if I'm out there buying all the nicest stuff, then I can't yeah. do that. So, but I don't know. I just realized young that don't spend your money on material stuff spend your money on stuff that's going to actually make you happy yeah. so and i'm a dog musher yeah. it's the easiest way to spend a lot of money is be a dog musher
0: when i was younger i always thought to myself you know i, I want to be rich i want to have the lamborghini i want to have all that and when you get older you start to realize what makes you happy and what yeah. you know it, you need to have a struggle in life every day in order to push forward and yeah. now i'm 26 years old turning 27 mm-hmm. your perspective on life has changed yeah i still you know i like clothes i'll buy something yeah. nice but my perspective has changed on what really makes me happy yeah. and it's not nice clothes it's not fancy restaurants it's not materialistic things it's experience it's well, cool. it's good conversation i love yeah. this podcast like right now mm-hmm. The fact that, you know, we met up and we're able to talk about this. Yeah. I'm in my element right now. Yeah. There's nothing else I'd rather be doing than yeah. talking to you
1: sitting right yeah. now. And you can see it with people, too. When yeah, they're doing God, what they yeah. love, you can just see. You see the difference between, like, somebody doing what they're passionate about and somebody that's just doing the 9 to 5. They've got the same. They've all got the same complaints. They've got the same problems. Yeah. You know, you got to do what you got to do. I've worked my share of 9 to 5 and, um, you know been in situations where i wasn't happy too and sometimes you just gotta do it because you gotta make the money or whatever your situation is but uh when it's possible and the opportunities there like you should really pursue what makes you happy
0: do you think if you started a business in a climate where it snowed all year round that could help a business like that you're in because oh, it doesn't yeah. snow here all year yeah, round
1: like i did, nova scotia i've always just come back here with the dogs in the summer just because i'm from here and i love it yeah. like my family my friends and it's nice in the summer like that heat is beautiful great. June, the dogs July, get a summer August. coat you know it's a good climate
0: but what if you lived in the yukon
1: but in the yukon you know they're still getting summer but they it's more on the more expensive um i might not have the same type of work that i have here um, I would love to go up to the Yukon, to be honest. Like I lived in Yellowknife for three years and I loved it there. Like yeah. I'm a guide. I do fishing, dog sledding, whatever. You bikes, ever ice fish? Tours. Yeah. Yeah. I want to try that this year. Yeah. We, uh, we ice fish in the winter, but you don't catch as much. Whereas in the sun, like in the springtime you catch like a hundred fish a day. Yeah. So ice fishing is okay until you get cold and you're like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. But yeah, it's good experience. Like it's so cold up there that you drill through over four feet of ice to get to the water.
0: Four feet. Four feet. That's like. That's that. You got a drill that's four feet long?
1: So they, well, the uh, auger, ice auger, it has an extension so that it can go down. Then the extension will push it down that extra bit. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different world up north. Like, I love it. It's just, it's got to be, I've got to be able to afford to live up there and it's going to fit with all of my, everything going on. And right now this works, live here in the off season. Yeah. Travel for the dogs, like travel for the racing and stuff. One
0: thing I think that is awesome with guys like you and I is that the fact that you find a passion Mm. before the age of 30, I think that's a great thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's a rare thing. I think a lot of people know what they want to do, but just don't have the balls to do it at this point. So I think if you're below the age of 30, know what you want to do and can work towards it. Mm -hmm. Because the way I look at what I'm doing and I'm sure what you're doing, you know, most people want to retire at 60. I want to do this until I drop dead. And I'm sure what you're doing, the exact same thing. You're not looking for a retirement plan. I don't have a
1: retirement plan. I don't get a pension. I spend all my money I ever made into the dog sledding. But if I died tomorrow, I'm happy. Yeah. And I I just like, I don't want to.
0: But you have time
1: is what I'm trying to say. And, you know, if I all of a sudden change my mind, I can go and do something else. So.
0: And the experience that you're gaining right now Mm -hmm. through all of this, through the travel, through the training of the dogs. Mm -hmm. Isn't
1: there good dog breeders in Nova Scotia? There's That's what my mom said. There's a lot of good dog breeders uh, in Nova Scotia. Like, you see a lot of good pets coming out of here and stuff. Levi's from Cape Breton. Yep. Um, and, like, I know we've got pets over the years that are great from different breeders and whatnot. It's just, like, and it's the same thing. Like, usually a good breeder is doing it because they just like having the dogs around. They like the pets. And, like, they like that they can make money off of what they enjoy. Yeah. So, that obviously, they're going to just do that. Like... They get to be with dogs and then i'm sure it's hard to when they have to do sell the puppies anytime Mm -hmm. i gotta let a dog go as a pet like it's always really tough but it's what you gotta do yeah
0: outside of all this the biking Mm -hmm. the the breeding of the dogs Mm -hmm. what about a hobby that you have something outside i know it consumes a lot of your life but you must have another interest outside Um, of it you like sports
1: honestly i played every sport till i was 19 like you're sick of it football I've never followed organized sports. Never no. followed like hockey or anything like that. Hockey, football. I love watching football, I love watching hockey. But like I just like watching good plays. Like yeah. I'll just sit there for the highlights <laughs> and uh yeah, I've just never that's never been something that I've been like, oh my I hope my team wins or something like that. My dad's got a team, all my friends got teams. Fantasy? Like, nothing. 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 Just I just love I w- I just want to be successful at Um dog mushing. Like be be good. Have a good name in the industry and get to a point where it's sustainable so I can just keep doing it without having to kill myself in the off season working. That's wicked. Yeah. I like off the top of my head. I really you know, I've got things that I'll go and do. I'll try like a bunch of stuff. I like fishing, but I'm not passionate enough to go out and do it every day when it's fishing season. I like hunting. I don't go out and hunt every day when it's hunting season. But I work with the dogs every single day because I love it. So. I
0: feel like do you like a good cigar. Nope. You like a good whiskey. I like whiskey. What's your brand of whiskey?
1: The cheapest.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what a fucking answer! The cheapest. Yeah. yeah. All
0: right, that's fair. Yeah, that's um, fair. The cheapest.
1: Yeah, I like good beer. Like my brother lives uh, on the west coast and like he owns a barbecue restaurant. What's it called? Uh, Little Ronnie's, Bar- Ronnie's backyard right barbecue. Little Ronnie's backyard. Barbecue. Right on Mackenzie Beach, and Plug away. he just started it. You know, he spent a lot of money, all of his time, energy doing it. And he had a big transition too. He moved out west from Toronto, living there for like 10 years. Goes out. He's been out there for like just over a year. Yeah. Now he's got his own restaurant. His name's in the title. So it's definitely his. Yeah. And uh, good food. Amazing. Best barbecue you can get. I love barbecue. Like probably in Canada, except for the people we learned from maybe. (laughs) But uh, yeah. And it's the same thing. He's not making a whole lot of money right now because he's just starting out. But I've never heard him happier. And it's the same thing like when we talk back and forth. It's just like we've each got our own things going on. And we're just, you know, pump for ourselves, pump for each other. And we just try to motivate each other to keep going.
0: It's kind of interesting how you and your brother both learn something that you have to be taught by someone else. Mm-hmm. Barbecue, you have to learn tradition from people that have done it for years. Same mm-hmm. with I feel like what you do. You oh, have yeah. to learn that. There's a the lot of
1: things. Th- you can start out. You can get a bunch of dogs and just give her. But you're going to be real shit at it and you're going to miss out on a lot of like simple, simple things. And uh, I learned from I learned like dog care from the tour company I work for, my uh, Megan out in Lake Louise. And uh, that's where I learned how to take care of dogs properly, make sure they get a good quality of life, good nutrition, all that stuff. Racing. That's where I really learned my neighbor up north, Marcel. He just like I don't know why maybe I brought over enough rum and sat down enough times, but he just taught me like everything he knew and he fit it all into one season. And in one season I had a very success. Like I, I was winning races, uh, you know, traveling around racing, being very successful. And it's just because he just told me like, this is how you train. This is what you look for in the dogs. Watch out for this. Don't worry about this. Make sure you do this, this, this. And I just took it, listened and it worked really well. And then I've also worked at like, In total, probably like five, six different kennels. I always go to different kennels to learn. Maybe somebody does something a little different, even just the way their house is built or the way they have the dog like fenced or the type of harness they use or the sled they use. Like I like just seeing stuff and I'm always open to changing. I don't just have it in my head. Like this is how you do it. And I think by having that ability to just adapt and like, oh, say that, okay, that that works better than what I'm doing and not having like that ego in the way to just, I'm gonna do it that way from now on. I think that's what will make you a lot more successful too.
0: It's very interesting to me how that one year of you saying, you dog sledding, that one year and everything that you've learned, and then you just fell in love with the craft and then you say mm-hmm. you wanna do it for the rest of your life. It's funny how things like that work. Yeah. You go over to this guy's place, drink enough rum. He teaches teaches you, excuse me, the way of life to what you want to live. And then you just fall in love with it and you're doing it to this day. Yeah. That's awesome. Keep
1: it simple. Don't, Don't spend money where you don't need to so that you have that extra money to be able to race and look after your dogs. Don't waste it. And, you know, you'll be able to do it. Just make it work. Don't go out of your means. Like don't have 60 dogs to put out one team. You know, if you if you're only putting out one team, get a solid like 10, 12 dogs and just work with them, train them. So
0: what well, Yeah. All right, man. We're coming up on an hour here. So awesome. I appreciate you coming over. Yeah. Like, yeah no worries. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Real cool life you live, man. Yeah. That's all right, awesome.
1: You too. I, re- I like this. I've been watching all the high buttons. Appreciate it. Yeah, that was, got, that was really nice of you to let Tanner on too. <laughs>
0: let him on, man. That guy's—I've <laughs> been wanting him to come on forever. That guy's busy. His brothers are going to be coming on uh, next week. Or oh yeah, that would be next more Wednesday. Yeah. probably. It'll be a great time. Um, yeah. Do you want to plug away? Say hi to any family friends.
1: Yeah. Uh, just thanks a lot, everybody, for the support. Because uh, <clears> I know my parents, especially, just never never telling me that I shouldn't do something when I come up with a crazy idea because they are always crazy. Like a week ago, I had one plan and then it all just changed within an hour yesterday. And they're like, yeah, that's great. You should take it. So now I'm moving out west on Saturday instead of January 1st. So thanks to my parents. Thanks to my brother. Uh, my girlfriend, very supportive, Fiona, um, coming out west with me, traveling. Oh, she's going with you? Yeah, putting up with everything that I got to do. Look at that. Uh, and thanks to everybody that sponsored the team. Uh, you know, you can sponsor a dog individually and get updates on them and their training and stuff. And a few people have come on. And I just want to say that it makes a huge difference because uh, it's an expensive hobby and every little bit counts. So thanks to Maritime Mushing Supply, Marley, and uh, Christian with uh dog's choice raw food um i just really appreciate it so unreal
0: all right well once again thanks for coming over cody appreciate it yeah um everyone listening make sure to go to all of our social media outlets uh Mm -hmm. itunes uh soundcloud instagram facebook youtube all that good stuff you know what to do once again i appreciate each and every one of you we are out
2: You need it.